This episode of Plateau Partners Pulse is brought to you by Pacific Learning Academy, your resource for one-on-one in-home accredited academics, tutoring, and SAT, ACT prep. Welcome to the Plateau Partners Pulse. I am here with Greg Kuyper. I'm very excited to be um, interviewing you today because you are someone that has um, come to me a lot to our chapter and um, a lot to me personally because I love myself. Well, I'm not going to tell what it is that you do. So why don't you say what it is and then everyone will figure it out. So thanks for having me. Of course. Yeah, I'm a, a mental health therapist and a substance use counselor. Um, I have a private practice uh, with an office in North Bend. I have one in Redmond also, but I'm giving that one up because of all that's happening these days. Mm-hmm. But uh, most of my work is done teletherapy now. And um, yeah, I have an office in North Bend. So that is why I love him so much because he is a mental health professional (laughs) (laughs) and my mental health is at times questionable. (laughs) Well, we're working on that. Yes, we are. (laughs) I may or may not be lying on a couch right now (laughs) with Greg sitting in his comfy chair taking copious notes. Yes. (laughs) Um, Okay. So tell me how long have you been in B&I now? Uh, BNI, let's see, it's coming on two years in October. So two years, almost. Okay, we'll have to celebrate the anniversary because I'm coming up on two years myself. Um, what do you appreciate most about BNI, would you say? The networking. I mean, I know that's probably a standard answer everybody uses, but um, just being able to know people who know people and uh I'm using a lot of the the services that are in BNI, and everybody seems to know somebody else that can help me with something else I need, and Mm -hmm. um, it's always good. And just the camaraderie, it's so fun, too. It's a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think I appreciate that same thing about BNI, that camaraderie and the networking, and when you, not only people referring to you, but the fact that you can then refer your clients to people and you know it just it makes you look smart (laughs) who doesn't want to look smart well and in my profession too i get a lot of people who just in the course of the therapy session i i know of people they need to see or should see and i've got a pile of cards and i can pass it right on to them and in a confidential way right which is huge um so what do you love about are or like about our chapter, Plateau Partners in particular? Hmm. Well, all the things I just said. But uh, the fun and um, the networking with with people. I don't know any other chapter, so. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can tell you that ours is. The best. The best. Right. <laughs> I, I, I can't like promise you that, but I'm pretty sure it's the best. So the words like, know, and trust are the three words that are most often associated with uh, BNI, along with giver's gain. But what would you say are three words that are most often associated with you? Hmm. Ooh, um, how about connection, 
trust, and discovery. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Every, every time I have my own word for everyone and there is something that is incredibly calming, I remember saying to you during a one-to-one or I don't know, a conversation that we had that I could like just kind of fall asleep at your feet and hear you like talking, like there's a very calming <laughs> way, demeanor about you that, you know, I'm like, well, I could just take a little nap down at your feet and feel very like safe and comfortable. Well, that's handy in my profession, I guess. Very handy. Calming is good. Calming is definitely (laughs) good. So what is something that perhaps um, prospective clients don't know about you? Something that is unique about you that maybe can form some kind of connection with people? Well, you know, I work a lot with substance use with people, and I am a recovering alcoholic and addict. And so I can certainly relate to people who come to me for those issues because I mm-hmm. have been there. And yeah. I think it's really important for uh, helping them. I, I can see it in their faces when I'm talking to them. And it's kind of a relief when they know that this, you isn't, understand. this isn't a normie. He understands. Right. Right. Yeah. I would say that that's, that's a huge thing. And the fact that mm-hmm. um, you can understand it, you can speak the language, um, you've walked the walk, you can yeah. talk the talk, and um, and they can trust that you know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say is um, your top most frequently asked question? Do you take insurance? Yeah, do you take insurance? How do I get an appointment? Why don't you have the answers I need? <laughs> <laughs> because they have the answers that they need. They do, yes. Uh-huh. It's it's your job to bring them out, but That's they got to do the work. Yeah. I know this because I've maybe been to a little bit of therapy. <laughs> okay, what would you say is your favorite curse word? I don't f-ing curse. <laughs> That's good to f- know. <laughs> um, okay, we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we will talk more with Greg Kuiper of Kuiper Counseling. In a big classroom, it's tough to get the customized learning experience that could make all the difference. Sometimes students just need a little help, and sometimes they could use a customized course built around their interests and goals. Pacific Learning Academy specializes in all subject tutoring, middle school, and high school courses. Each lesson is one-on-one with an instructor that gets to know your student and how they learn. Find us on the web at pacificlearningacademy.com. Welcome back to Plateau Partners Pulse. I am with Greg Kuiper of Kuiper Counseling. Greg already shared that he is a therapist and substance use counselor. So, I am used to hearing the phrase substance abuse counselor. So substance use, just tell me about that delineation. And then I want to also talk about the difference between being a therapist and a counselor and those kinds of things. Sure. So substance use, substance abuse, that's been kind of a, uh, in the field, if you will, uh, uh, and, and the profession, those two words have been bounced back and forth and uh, over the years, and there's been the stigma of the word abuse, and mm-hmm. so it's come to use, and it's that kind of a thing. But in my mind, uh, the difference is uh, by saying substance use, I'm able to counsel people who are using substances and I don't have any problem with people using alcohol or 
marijuana or whatever they want to use. It's just when it comes to using it too much, mm-hmm. where does that abuse come in? Right, right? like as a and, coping mechanism. Right, is and not- so, so, so my focus with folks is finding out, are they just using or is it getting bad? That makes a lot of sense because mm. not everybody that is necessarily using is abusing and right. you know it may just be a a less healthy coping uh, coping mechanism right and and you know sometimes it can become excessive use relatively easy and the person that's using most often doesn't know it Sure. And so it's a family member or a friend who says, hey, you know, maybe. And, and then so if they start questioning it and then they can come to a professional like myself and we can do an assessment or we can do, you know, I, I try to take them on a journey of a exploration to just see if it's a problem. Sure. Right. Rather than judging them and telling them it's a problem, we find out. Right. Makes sense. Okay. So now... Um, you know, I want to talk about next, um, your approach to therapy, but I want to talk about the delineation between a counselor or coach or therapist and, you know, how you, which one you identify as, you know, as doing and the differences between them. I started out as a substance use counselor, uh, after getting out of treatment myself, I just wanted to help people. Um, and felt I had that unique inside track, and um, and that's what I did. As I proceeded in that field for a couple of years, I realized that um, mental health plays a lot in this too. I mean, it's it's hand in hand. If there's substance use, there's generally substance abuse. There's generally mental health issues, and vice versa. And so we call that co-occurring. And so that's kind of I guess if I have a specialty, that's kind of it, a co-occurring approach. I'm also a a, a holistic life coach. Mm -hmm. That's my uh, next question. Yeah. Um, I've recently gotten that certification. And, you know, the difference a life coach is um, helps people on a more current basis, get through some problems they might have day to day or, or, you know, helps them with coping skills and tools in the current moment or for problems that are, you know, happening to them at that time. Okay. A therapist does that too, but also kind of digs around in the past, right? Mm-hmm. R- rustles around in the basement in the closet and opens the doors and tries to find out what's what's happening and, and uh, the source, I guess, if you will, of troubles that may be going on, especially with depression, anxiety, you know, bipolar and things like that. That's Mm -hmm. a little bit out of the purview of just a life coaching session. Sure. Right. And what I found useful with the life coaching is that it's, uh, it gives me those tools to use with clients early on in the therapy sessions so that and they, they, I, I believe they feel more. Um, they feel like they're accomplishing more right away when there's some steps, yes. some tools, some coping skills, some uh, thing, homework, if you will, that they mm-hmm. can do that help them with the current situation uh, as we dig into the rest of it. Well, 
I know for me, I joke that um, I probably could have put at least one of my children through an Ivy League education, like full price with the amount of therapy that I've done over the course <laughs> of my life. You know, I'm 50 now. I started probably when I was 18 on and off. Wow. And it's certainly not something that I have any shame with. It's helped me with my depression. It's helped me with my anxiety. It's helped me in my relationships. And as you say, it's, you know, a little bit of digging around in the past and mm -hmm. seeing where some of this comes from and understanding it, then also moving on. And at times, you know, I didn't find the right person to work with because I felt like there was so much, you know, like, I remember one therapist that said, you know, okay, so I want you to envision your mother, you know, and, and I want you to have this vision of her and what is she doing? I'm like, she's <laughs> dusting and she's in her bra and underwear and it's early morning and she's basically trying to get away from me and I'm talking to her ad nauseum. And he was like, oh, there's a lot to unload there. I'm like, you think? So like, let's move on to the tactile, like give me something to you know, give me something to work on because, mm. you know, at a certain point when you're, when you're seeking help, you know, okay, so I know some of the stuff that I come from, I know now how it's affected me and how it's playing out in my relationship to myself and to others, but now what do I do with it? Right. And very often that can be frustrating. So, yes. you know, you having that combination means that you're able to do the digging and say, okay, so let's turn on the lights, let's, you know, bring all the monsters out from the closet and under right. the bed and, you know, let's befriend them. And now let's all work together to move forward. Right. And it's that sense of awareness, right? Moving forward with awareness so that during the course of the day, you're able to be with yourself and be in the moment and be able to tie those things in as you go through the day. Mm -hmm. It helps a lot. Oh, and you are a big proponent of this idea of being mindful. I mean, your tagline is oh, mindfulness rooted in heart right. and that it's really important to be mindful of those of those things, of your actions, you know, the whole picture. Mm. Yeah, if I were to say one thing, it would be mindfulness. Just it's critical to all of us every day. The more mindful we, we can be, the more we're aware, right? That's being mindful of what's going on in our in our thoughts, in our feelings, how we're speaking with other people, how we're treating people. It's amazing the difference mm -hmm. when you learn how to be mindful. It makes a huge difference. And I know the other the other thing that you are a big proponent of, and it's really the basis of your practice is this idea of connection. Right. That's huge for me emotional connection with others, all kinds of connection, right? I mean, humans are, are three basic needs of humans in their DNA, if you will, are uh, safety and, and connection. It's so important. I think it's important that the connection we have to learn is with ourselves, mind, body, and spirit, a connection of that within ourselves. And as we come to that mindfulness and that uh, source of connection, we, we are able to then move out and connect with others in a mindful, emotional, uh, spiritual way. I think that's the key. 
connection? Well, I attended a webinar that you gave and you talked a lot about that and the impact that it's continued to have in my life. You know, you talked mm -hmm. about the connection um, to your family of origin and, you know, the connection that you may or may not have had um, with your family and sure. how that plays out throughout your life. And then through, if you become a parent through your parenting or through your intimate relationships or work relationships or whatever, and you had some great bits of advice and, um, you know, one of the ones that I'm still um, using all the time is the idea of a bid for connection right. that you talk about. And, you know, those moments when somebody's reaching out to you understand that it's a bid for connection and that they're wanting to connect. So when your kids, you know, actually engage with you beyond yes or no or K, <laughs> um, you know, that that's a moment to seize upon or to at least acknowledge. And if the timing isn't right, right. then to make sure that you acknowledge it and then circle back. That was huge. I mean, it is huge. Bids for connection as being able to, if we're aware and we're mindful, we can recognize those bids for connection. And so that flows right back into just being mindful. Mm -hmm. Once you notice the bid for connection, you can work with it, deal with it, connect, postpone, whatever, but actively doing something rather than ignoring. Mm -hmm. And that's the harmful piece is ignoring those bids for connection. And it was interesting because, you know, um, attending the webinar, you know, mm -hmm. you talked about your family of origin and how, you know, depending on how the environment that you were raised in, how you, um, how you were treated, how things happened that, mm -hmm. you know, you're likely going to continue that cycle. And of course, you know, I'm listening to some of this thinking, oh, shoot, <laughs> you know, right. it's too late. My kids are older. Yeah, what have I done to I my kids? Done? Yeah, They're right, ruined. Right, right, right. Um, I'm going to keep future <laughs> mental health professionals in business for years to come. <laughs> You're welcome, by the way. But, you know, it was, it's good to know that, you know, it's never too late. Never too late. I mean, yeah, you look back, you've got teenagers now, say, and you look back and you go, oh, my God, what did I do? But uh, that's not the point. You don't go back there. You just carry on from now and, and start that connection now. And whatever you're modeling is going to be what they pick up on, right? Mm-hmm. And would you say that that, um, that disconnection is a root of a lot of the issues that people come in you know, whether it's hmm. your teen patients or, you know, somebody like myself in their 50s, would you say that that's a common denominator? I can almost say that's the common denominator, really. That's okay. what I see. Interesting. That's what I see is it just um, that lack of connection or the ability to connect. There you go, the lack of the ability to connect. And most of the time I, it comes from or much of the time, it comes from uh, just not being able to um, know your own emotions. Somewhere along the road, way back when, you learned how to hide them, conceal them away, uh, not deal with them, not feel them. And, you know, 20, 30, 40 years later, it's still that way because it became automatic. Sure. And once we have this automatic behaviors, right, or, or a way of dealing with things, 
the only way to change it is to put something else in there that you that can become automatic. And change is always very hard. And the first part of change, of course, is awareness. Right. Being aware that there needs to be a change and aware of what you're doing at any moment so that you can change it, alter it. And it needs to be done in a, a spirit of curiosity and exploration rather than a spirit of Damn it, I'm doing it again. You know, I mean, that doesn't do any good. No. But if it's, if it's, oh, see, I did it. Mm-hmm. I can change this. It helps right. a lot. Well, and would you recommend if you're doing something like that, you know, bringing others along in the journey that are meaning, you know, so if I'm saying to my kids that I'm trying to be more cognizant of this, oh, yeah. do you let, you know, the kids know that, hey, this is something that I'm working on? Oh, it's perfect. That's the way you want it to be with your husband, with your spouse, with 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 your kids, with whoever you're working with. Because then it's an exploration and a journey that two people or more can go on together. And then it's fun. You see what I'm saying? This needs to be a, uh, a journey of, of curiosity, mm-hmm. fun, rather than That's- I'm a piece. Well, it's like the curse jar model, right? You know, families that if you curse, then, you know, you put a dollar in the curse jar and it becomes, it's about that awareness piece and, you know, like consequences in kind of a fun way, because a lot of families then take that money and go do something fun as a family. Right. right. So it's, you know, it's going to happen. And sometimes, frankly, it's worth it. So you're like, whatever, I'll put the money in the curse jar. Right. Um, other times, you know, you become then aware of maybe how often you like drop the F-bomb. Right. And so it holds a mirror up to your behavior. But, you know, either way, it doesn't become a judgment. It just becomes a like, oh, yep, did that. Right. And then it can turn into something that, you know, you all do together. Right. Right. And modeling There's the no triumph. judgment. It's, see, it's done without judgment. You made that point right there. Yep. If, if it's done without judgment, then it can be fun. Well, really. I, I imagine that, um, you know, your, your practice, I know that, you know, kids today are much more, I think, open to seeing counselors, seeing therapists, seeing people to help them than, you know, back in my day where it was, you know, more hush hush and you didn't talk about it. Mm -hmm. And so kids that are coming in that are really looking for that connection, whether it's to their parents who are so busy Mm -hmm. um, or to, you know, if they're dealing with sexuality or whether they're dealing with, um, you know, self-worth or whatever it is. Um, you know, trying to find those skills. And so for all of us then that are older now that, you know, mental health and seeing someone was shunned, you know, now all of a sudden it's like, oh, you know, some of these things that my kids are going through, I'm realizing now like, oh yeah, yep, that's what that was. Right, right. Well, today more and more mental health therapy is becoming more accepted mm-hmm. by most people. I mean, well, I don't know if I want to use most people, but more and more. As it should be. As it should be. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing, there, there's nothing scary about it. No. Uh, about the process, there's nothing scary about. Sometimes it can be a little scary digging around. Sure. Right. Because you're and, being asked to like really look and you, at And you may not want to go there. And that's okay. You, you, you go at your own speed. 
it's just nice to have a, a, a trained, experienced, third-party person to help guide you because that's what it is. It's, it's guiding. It's helping. It's not telling you what to do. Mm-hmm. I don't have any answers for people, but, but I can, through talking with them, I can, I can see that they have the answers mm-hmm. and I can direct them that way. I mean, as you know, it's so much important, so much more important to discover something on your own than to, oh, yes. than to go into someone and go, okay, tell me what to do. A, B, C, D. I right. mean, doesn't work. No, totally doesn't work. Okay. Let's take a quick break and then we will come back and talk more with Greg Kuiper of Kuiper Counseling. Be right back. What's the one class that's making school stressful for your child? Is it calculus, Spanish 2, chemistry? Pacific Learning Academy has been bringing joy back to learning for over 15 years. Our certified programs are taught by degreed professionals, carefully chosen to be a match for your child's needs. A great fit is so important that we 100% guarantee that you'll love your instructor. Set up your free consultation today at pacificlearningacademy.com. We have been talking about what Greg does with his patients. Um, we talked about the difference between substance use versus substance abuse. We've talked about uh, differences between life coach and therapist. We've also talked about um, mindfulness and connection being two main tenets of your practice. Mm-hmm. And in your practice, I know that you work with individuals because I know individuals that have worked with you. Um, you also work with couples. Mm. And then if I'm not mistaken, you also can work with families. Yes, I work with couples quite a bit, actually. Um, I don't know. I suppose it's two-thirds, one-third maybe, uh, individuals to couples. Uh, and, and families when I can. It's Families are um, a big deal. It's hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got five or six, seven people in a room talking Maybe more. Sure. And there's, uh, so it's very, um, well, I'll just be honest, it's very draining. I'm sure. And I'm it's, sure it's uh, a- but I love doing it. I love doing it. I just uh, have so many individuals that I don't do family that much, but I do. So typically, would you say when you're meeting with the family, which comes first, family or the individual? Or, you know, meaning, so I remember when I was younger and I was in therapy, um, my then therapist suggested that my parents come in mm-hmm. and that it would be interesting to explore that. They respectfully declined. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, that ended that. However, um, would you say that it typically goes in that direction or does a family come in and say, we need to see somebody? Both. Okay. A, a lot of times it evolves from an individual. Um Sometimes an individual evolves into couples, right? Sure. But families typically come in as a group. Okay. Something's happened in the family dynamic, right? I mean, as we get older, as the kids get older, things change. Sure. Jobs change. And the the same old dynamic that's been working pretty good for the last five years all of a sudden doesn't work anymore. Mm -hmm. There's, There's anger. There's fighting. There's... All kinds of problems. And so it's just a matter of looking at the dynamic that's not working and finding 
evolving into a dynamic that does work. And it happens a lot. I mean, think about it. In every family, right, as the kids are no longer kids, their adolescence, the dynamic changes totally. And if we still try to operate in the old dynamic, it's not going to work. I mean, I can think of in my own timeline all the different times that it's like, okay, you know, the moment I stopped drinking my parents' Kool-Aid, if you will, mm-hmm, and I discovered it. that they didn't know everything and that I had <laughs> opposing views, you know, that was a moment. Um, the moment that I, you know, I got married and I went from I to we, and, you know, suddenly I was like, oh my gosh, really? This is it? Till death do we part? Like, this is going to be a <laughs> long freaking time. Yeah. And, you know, realizing that I needed to evolve, I needed to maintain the I, and right. that that was actually going to be healthier the moment we started adding kids and how that dynamic changed four times over. And now as the kids are getting older and they're leaving, you know, that's another dynamic. So, I mean, all of those are dynamics that change within the family. Well, there's, uh, what is it? There's um, five, I believe, uh, times when divorce is more prevalent or becomes more likely to happen in a couple's relationship. One is right after the first child is born. Holy cow, what is this, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Another one is uh, when the kids become adolescents because these people now have opinions and they're supposed to have my opinion, right? Right. Another one is the empty nest. That's a tough one for couples. Another one is retirement, right? Right. Now, all of a sudden, everybody's home together after all these years, and that, that's a tough one, too. Oh, yeah. Pete plans to die at his desk, so I don't think I'm going to have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but these are just tough times because the dynamic changed, right? Yep. The dynamic changed. And um, you have to be able to evolve with the dynamic or... Yeah, sure. So I'm sure that your approach to obviously working with a individual versus a couple versus a family... Um, you know, is obviously different to accommodate the numbers and the dynamic, but what is the approach that you take to therapy? Like, is there a, how often do you want to see people? Do you, you know, is there the, the, we're getting to know each other and, you know, because I imagine that you can't get right into it immediately. No, no. And, and that's where, um, uh, some folks that are new to therapy struggle with because, they they come in they they've never done therapy before there's three or four or five sessions into it and nothing's happened yet and where's my answers and uh, it's a it, therapeutic alliance is what we refer to it as it's um, you know a client centered approach where the therapist and the client actually become kind of a together thing. I mean, most of the time when the alliance is working perfectly, the therapist is getting as much out of it as the client is. Okay. And that's a good alliance, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because, um, um, you know, I only do this to help people and I will be healed as I teach them to heal. Sure. That's one of the mantras I have. It's called the healer's prayer. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. 
So for your approach to therapy, I know there is mm-hmm. a whole bunch of different models on, you know, cognitive behavioral therapies oh, yeah. and all these kinds of things. And there's so many different types and whatever. What would you say um, is kind of a basic overview of your approach? I got to say eclectic. I have studied intently many, many different theories of therapy. And I love diving into this. I don't read novels. I read textbooks on therapy every day. So um, (laughs) that's me. (laughs) I haven't read a novel in many, many years. Truth is stranger Uh, than fiction. Yeah. Um, And what's important to me is that I take bits and pieces from all of those different therapies, and I'm able to uh, insert them at hopefully the right times in the process, right? Whether it's cognitive behavioral solution focused, I mean, there's a million of them, mm-hmm. you know, structural. We learn all these things. And, and some therapists are very singularly focused. Cognitive behavioral therapists mm-hmm. do that, right? I use that. I don't just do it got solely, it. if so you will. So I've got bits and pieces from all kinds of different therapies that I use. And they're interventions, I guess. That's what we should call them. Every therapy has interventions that you use. And so I use those interventions from all of those different therapies um, and insert them when I think it's going to work. Yeah. So, I mean, (laughs) and you never know. (laughs) Right. And, and just as people are unique, uh-huh. Then what you're doing, obviously, is then you're as you have as you create that alliance mm-hmm. with your mm-hmm. um, with your client and you have created a safe space that there's mutual trust. Right. Then you get to know who they are, what their goals are in therapy. And then you are pulling these various modalities um, that are going to uniquely help them. Right. And it's so important that that alliance develop. And sometimes it takes weeks. Sometimes it takes five or six, seven, eight sessions. And uh, that's why I always encourage people. I mean, you may go to someone and they're just not right for you, the therapist. Who knows, right? I can't be right for everybody. Um, and any no therapist can. But it always takes four or five sessions, in my opinion, to find that out. Mm-hmm especially if you've never been to therapy before. So the longer you are with people, the better that therapeutic alliance develops. And that's when the real work starts. I mean, I've got patients I've been seeing for two plus years every week. Right. And, well, almost every week. But... um, And that's not necessarily... You can imagine that what that alliance is like right now. I mean, we're... I know him, he knows me, and we work well together. Right. So in a way, if you think about it, if I break my arm, uh-huh. it takes, you know, with a cast and all the support and all the things I have to do, and then I've got to, you know, potentially do some physical therapy and all these things, it takes quite a while for that arm to heal. So if you've got broken confidence or a broken mm-hmm. family foundation or a broken heart or whatever it is, you need to be you know, scale up proportionately, right? right? And realize that it's going to take some time to heal, um, literally and figuratively Absolutely. from that 
And so be patient with the process, but it's going to be unique for each person. For some people, they may catch on quickly and be able to start using some of those coping skills that you talk about. And other people really may need someone for, you know, a two year journey or potentially longer. Um, But that's up to the individual. Most of the time, by the time people come into therapy, they are really stuck. You know, they're in a rut and, and they can't find a way out of that hole or that rut, the rabbit hole, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. They, they're struggling to get out. And if I can offer them some skills off the top just to, to help uh, spark hope, right? Because mm-hmm. when you're in the rut and it's been that way forever, Hope's the first thing that goes, right? Of course. After, after a while, there is no hope. And then the depression and the anxiety. And, and if I can offer them a tool that sparks hope, mm-hmm. maybe not gives you hope entirely, but um, if, if it can spark hope, then it's amazing how the mind changes and the brain changes to a more positive outlook slowly rather mm-hmm. than that negative woe is me, this will never change, my life sucks. Right. Never right. going to change, you know. Um, so it's important to be able to add those um, those skills and tools right at the start, just little things, you know. I mean, if somebody's in a rut and they've been doing the same routine every day for as long as they can remember, one quick little tool is... Do something different. Right. Just do something different. Maybe it's just change the routine. Right. Maybe it's re-examine that old hobby you used to do that's fallen by the wayside. Don't get carried away. Don't try to change your whole life. But just something to get out of that loop that you're in. Right. Just one little thing. Don't make your bed. Yeah, yeah, there you go. (laughs) Or in the case of me. Or make your bed. Make your bed. Right. So... Then, you know, it's on the one hand, I would say in the question, who should see you? It's like, really, everybody can benefit. Um, But it's also knowing, you know, okay, who should seek counseling and at, you know, at what point and, you know, for people that are listening, right, Mm -hmm. whether it's for their own mental health journey, or maybe there's someone that they love or they're close to that, you know, they're like, ooh. Um, you know, mm-hmm. this could benefit this person. Um, so it's kind of a two-part question. Who should come and see you? And then if you think that somebody should see you, how do you oh so gently suggest, hey, you should go see someone <laughs> without it being translated as you're crazy? <laughs> well, that's a tough question, that last one. I mean, people have to come when they're ready. Mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, after people have done therapy for a number of years, maybe they've gone for a while, stopped, and then they get a new therapist because something else is going on. It becomes a real natural part of their life is just going to talk to somebody to work through this, uh, and then stopping and, and practicing or working on what they've learned and maybe doing it again. But for somebody new going to therapy, it's really scary, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they have no idea what to expect. And, I get a lot of people that come and just say, I've never done this before. I don't think it's going to do any good. 
But everybody I know keeps telling me I need to see someone. So I'm here. And, you know, that's a tough place to start. It is a tough place to start. Because that alliance is going to take a while to build, right, when they come in with, this isn't going to work, but I'm here because everybody told me to. Whew. I usually say to someone, and you can tell me if this is the right approach, um, if I'm speaking with somebody, I'll say, have you considered speaking mm -hmm. with someone about this? You mm -hmm. know, do you feel comfortable with that? Have you done that before? Um, instead of saying, you should go see someone. Right, and, right, right. you know, it's like, hey, you're talking to me about this. So obviously it's on your mind and it's affecting you. Um, you know, and while I'm brilliant, <laughs> I am not, right. um, you know, a professional. So that's the way to approach it from a standpoint of, hey, have you thought about doing this? I've done it. Sure helped me out. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to use the words like therapy, counseling. It can just be, you know, go talk to somebody that knows a little bit more about this than I do. Mm -hmm. there's, there's a stigma around the word therapy, right? I mean, with all the movies and things that have gone sure. on, I mean, therapy is who knows what people think it is. But um, it's just a very calm place to talk mm -hmm. with somebody that's not going to judge you. That's the key is that judgment. What we get out in the world with our friends, our family, our bosses, our employees, or whatever is judgment all the time, right? Mm -hmm. We get judgment. A therapist does not judge. If they do, they shouldn't be therapists. One thing that I know since I started seeing someone when I was much younger, you know, I have encouraged my kids each to seek counseling at different times. Um, I think three of the four of them have, and they've benefited greatly from it. And, you know, I have encouraged them to see it as a part of, you know, their, their health journey, you know, in the right. same way that they go to the dentist and they get their eyes checked and they do right. those things, you know, they should do that. And there is um, confidentiality there. You know, mm -hmm. the, the person that they choose to work with is working with them. They're not working for me. You know, I may be paying, you know, for my underage kids, the footing the bill with insurance or whatever, but you know, the relationship is between you know, the therapist and the child or the teen or whomever it is. Sure. And there's confidentiality there. And, you know, there are just times when people can really, really benefit from that. So now the confidentiality is a big piece, huge piece that they can talk totally open and no one will ever know. You know, the only time a therapist is obligated to, to, uh, to let someone else know or break that confidentiality is if they believe the person is about to physically harm himself or someone else. Mm -hmm. And then they are mandated by law to, to talk to somebody about it, report it. Right. But other than that, we can't say a word and we don't want to. I mean, that would ruin the whole relationship immediately right. if somebody found that out. And I want people to be able to tell me everything. Right. Well, and that's the mm -hmm. thing, you know, I, as a good cradle Catholic, I never even believed I could go into confession and fully tell. <laughs> right, and, right. you know, so, but like therapy, like right. you need to go in and you need to absolve yourself and talk about it and let it out. And it's okay. And, um, you know, therapists it's, have seen it all. It's hard to be vulnerable in, out in the real world, right? 
we're careful to be with our vulnerability, right? Mm -hmm. We're very careful who's going to step on us, what's going to happen, who's going to hurt us. You know, can I share this without... Um, so, so we do that dance. It's almost an eggshell dance with vulnerability and, uh, and fear. And with a therapist, once you reach that point of, of trust and safety, um, that's what it's all about is mm -hmm. just now I can be vulnerable. It's almost, it, it's not almost, it is a relief for people to be able to mm -hmm. unload and you can just see it in their faces when it happens. It's, oh, I'm it's sure. a wonder, wonderful experience. So uh, speaking of seeing it in their faces, I know mm -hmm. you mentioned that you have your office in North Bend. Mm -hmm. And so you see patients in person, but you also, um, there's been a big shift to um, doing teletherapy. Right. Right now I'm not doing in-person work um, and haven't for, you know, well, since this COVID thing started. Um, and, and, and the whole industry is, uh, with insurance companies involved and everything is switching to teletherapy because it looks like it's going to have to be that way for a while. Right. Right. And who knows if it'll ever go back or how much it will ever go back. There's certainly a, a distinct advantage to face-to-face -face work. I mean, you know, just imagine when you're, talking with someone when you can see their expressions and you can sure. watch their body language you can feel the emotion in their voice um and just the warmth of the connection right sure is very important whereas you're looking at someone through a computer screen um, um yeah it's it's much more cold but it's as effective sure it, it i mean it's it's very effective it's there's Someone, I hope someone will is not avoiding therapy because they believe they have to have that in-person experience. Yeah. Um, because it it works the other way. It's okay. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm doing it. Yeah. Well, I think twenty it's, thirty times a week, right. every week. I mean, I'm it, where I'm on the Zoom call, right, with with someone and. Um, um, it's very effective, um, and who knows when it's ever going to go back. Right. right. Well, um, it's it's awesome that it has um, that it's been able to transition as easily as it has um, therapy. That is to the idea of doing it over Zoom calls or however people choose to do it, because um, you know, COVID and um, and life in general mm -hmm. is difficult and it definitely has impacted everybody's mental health and so mm -hmm. um i know that our mental health professionals are definitely considered one of our essential workers that are mm -hmm. on the front lines of you know this situation and frankly every big situation that occurs let's face it um you know people deal with the fallout of that and it affects it affects them so you know so thank you for being an essential worker i appreciate it and um for caring as much as you do about your job mm -hmm. i know from our conversations and our time spent together how much you really care about what you do and the difference that you want to make yeah. so um now if people want to get in touch with you mm -hmm. where can they find you um website is great a lot of people find me there at kuipercounseling.com Okay. Um, 
lots of information there on how to set up an appointment and get a hold of me, uh, uh, email addresses, uh, phone numbers, etc. on the website. Uh, I, I do have Instagram, and that is Kuiper Counseling 2. I believe mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. it is. And you have a Facebook page. I have page. a Facebook page, Greg Kuiper counseling. Yes. Um, uh, and I, I share a lot of, uh, information there, uh, as much as I can several times a week with just articles and, and, um, things that I think people will be interested in knowing, learning about mindfulness and therapy and all kinds of things I put on there. It's great. I, I know because I've read some of those things and I'll let you read those things and share the important ones and I'll keep to my fiction books. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm also uh, uh, in the near future uh, uh, doing a, a podcast. It's, it's in the works and will be, and it's going to be a connection through awareness. So, um, and that's, a very broad topic that can go on and on and on, but it's going to be fascinating. I I believe, I want it to be anyway. Oh, it's going to be fascinating. I and and, uh, and I'm and in the very near future, I'm, I'm going to be getting my blog fired up on my website too, where I can share a lot of this information. So, um, those are the ways to get a hold of me. Great. Um, and connect with you. I know from the webinar again. Um, you know, it was very clear in the webinar just how much um, you needed to do a podcast or something because right. it just was pinging so many different areas. And so I'm very excited for that to happen. And um, yeah, me too. There's great. just just so much information there. And it's so important. I know it's important. And so, I believe you. You're I, a professional. I want to <laughs> share it with people. Um, I think it's a... An, a next step in the evolution of where we're all going is mindfulness and connection. You can see it every day. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, we are out of time. Thank cool. you for joining me. It was, um, it's always fascinating talking with you, Greg. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks a bunch. Absolutely. So again, if you want to get in touch with Greg Kuiper, you can go to KuiperCounseling.com. That's K-I-P-E-R Counseling.com. And stay tuned because we have more episodes with more of our fabulous Plateau Partner members. And um, we always have a good time chatting with them. So remember that um, it is your business. So pay attention. Thanks so much, everyone. This episode of Plateau Partners Pulse was brought to you by Pacific Learning Academy. They help end the struggle of homework woes, GPA hiccups, or test anxiety.